0: Oh,
1: oh,
0: And then you get rid of it, and then no one's the wiser. Oh. <laughs> Welcome players to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. This is the baseball show that brings out the improved line drive rate and barrel percentage to your profile. It's D. Mendy here welcoming you back to another new episode joined by a man of fluffy cheese goodness, Art Benny, aka Little Cheesecake
2: the Elsie. Elsie, how's it going? the think life's good, man. Life's good. We're having a little bit of an Indian summer here in Maryland. 70s last weekend hopefully gets a little bit more more warm weather this weekend how you doing david
0: I'm doing good I can see you brighter today you've got a nice backdrop to you now I think you gotta tell the listeners from the the brick background you had
2: before how you spruced it up a little bit well i i turned it around to the solid white wall background and I put up two boards because it's concrete backgrounds i can't put nails and stuff into it i put two wooden boards leaned up against the wall and now i have two pictures up it's gonna get bigger and better and more grand as we go but the dungeon is getting spruced up into a proper man cave as we go
0: love it i love it the cheesecake is getting spruced up he's now like that um that cheesecake at a five-star restaurant now there's more lights on him nice backdrop it's nice (laughs) to see it's gonna be
2: the little cheesecake factory here little cheesecake factory
0: Mic drop. Can't come back <laughs> from that. Also joined by a man, a gamer, a scholar. Eric Mendelson, aka the doc. What's going on?
3: Wow, a scholar. Is that just because I have my masters? You gave me that title?
0: Yeah, I'll give you compliments every once in a while. So there's you one. You didn't want to boost my ego too much yesterday when we uh when I pulled our team in uh family feud. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I gave you two then, but that's a different topic for a different day. (laughs) We do have a lot of fun stuff on deck for today. We have the 2020 MLB First Year Player Draft Analysis Show. So in a shortened season with COVID, we only have five rounds of players drafted this year instead of the normal 40. So more of a reason that teams need to hit on their first round picks this year. In today's episode, we're going to look at 15 players taken in the first round that you should be keeping an eye on in your dynasty leagues to make an impact at some point, whether it potentially be next season or a few years down the road. And we're going to be doing this tonight with the the, the the prospect guru and a friend of the pod, Mr. Eric Cross, prospect man himself. After we go to the bullpen for our question of the week, who is the most out of shape player to ever play baseball? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. (laughs) News and notes Tony LaRusso was arrested and charged with his second DUI. When arrested, he said, and I quote, I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. You're trying to embarrass me as he flashed his World Series ring at the officer. What are we doing? So, uh, I'm very curious and I'm going to go right to cheesecake because he's been skeptical of this since the beginning. Does he stay the White
2: Sox manager? Um, gotta, gotta give him props for dropping. Like, do you know who I am when getting a DUI? Uh, it doesn't, I'm, I'm glad it didn't work, you know, because I, I, I think, you know, you do the crime, you, you get the punishment, but, uh, Props for pulling out. Do you know who I am? I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's classic. That's classic. Um, this this is something that I think White Sox management obviously would have known about because this happened in what February? Is that right? They it, they found out a day before they hired him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good look. You know, a guy like Larusa has every opportunity to get, uh, you know. A, a Lyft or an Uber, uh, it's not a good look for a 70-something-year-old guy pulling a DUI. Uh, I, 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 I'm i am still against the, the White Sox hire of them um, because I, I think that they should have gone with someone younger and someone more in touch with current players. Uh, but, I mean, this is just another another mark against them. What do you guys think? I'll let Doc answer
3: first and then I'll go. All to right. Me. Well, the transcript is pretty funny because he says brother like four or five times. I just imagine being like, hey. No, he's brother. Hulk Hogan. Hey there, brother. Hey, brother. Um, I, for me, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in a few senses. One, this is once again a case of someone that works in sports or someone famous getting away with crime. How many of us could get DUIs and then our job be like, oh, yeah, that's no problem? And especially if it was our second one because he got a DUI in 2007, I think it's a bad look for the White Sox. I think it's a bad look for Tony La Russa that a 76 year old man is getting a DUI and lying about how much he's had. I mean, I don't know, it's just not a fortunately, nobody got hurt and all he did was bump his car into the curb. But that's the best case scenario. we're We're not talking about what could have happened if you know he killed a passenger in the car if he killed someone else. It'd be a much bigger story than it is, and um, you know, it's just a shame. I feel like he's not getting held accountable to the crime that he committed.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. I know that the White Sox are saying that they're planning to let the process play out before they make any moves. So, I think if anything does make a turn for the worse, I think he will be gone. But I think if he goes into the season and let's say things are hunky dory from this and they start losing or players butt heads with him. I don't think he makes it out of the first season with this already on wow. his, right. I, I think this would be baggage going in if, if he doesn't make things perfect where he's there. Um, That's just I my w- thoughts. I wonder
3: if Tim Anderson texted him about his DUI. Cause you know, when we talked last week, they hadn't talked yet.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but we'll let the legal process play out. Next bit of news, Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gosman accepted their qualifying offers from the Mets and Giants, respectively. Doc, do you like them staying put and accepting those offers, or do you think they should have tried to parlay uh, into a multi-year contract?
3: No, I actually like it. And for Stroman, I know the Mets are having new ownership, so I think he's having a fresh beginning. But I mean, keep in mind, we're still in the COVID environment. It's probably best to accept a qualifying offer. I mean, it's not like they're accepting minimum wage you're getting they're still getting paid millions of dollars to play a game that they love and i think for the sake of your health and your family stay where you are for a year don't have to worry about relocating or exposing yourself to travel if you don't need to you know bet on yourself for one more year and, and hopefully parlay it into a multi-year um deal next off season when things are hopefully better
2: cheesecake yeah i, I agree i agree with uh with the doc there because um, the owners are already crying poor after this season and how much money they lost. I think we're going to be looking at a long, slow offseason where they're not going to be giving out a lot of big contracts. Gaussman and Strowman are right on the cusp of the type of person who might get squeezed out in the market, get that one-year contract, let things normalize a little bit, then uh, sign for two years. They're both relatively young. they got enough uh, enough time left. They don't need to get that big contract now. They can wait a year for it, and uh, they've got $19 million for waiting, so that's not bad.
0: So I like it for Stroman in the sense of I think that he can he's a valuable pitcher and he showed that and, you know, just take a one-year deal, show you're healthy, prove you're good, and then get that money. But this was Kevin Gossman's breakout season. So if Kevin Gossman goes into next year, and an $18.9 million is great for him. I'm ha- very happy for him. But he goes out next season and looks like the Kevin Gossman of old. He's looking at getting those minor league deals again. <laughs> And so I'm, if I were him, I understand it. And everything you said, Cheesecake, makes complete sense. I'm just wondering if he cost himself the one chance of maybe a big multi-year contract if he doesn't have that type of year in a full season next year. Because we don't know how his success would have played out in a full 162. In 60 games, you, know, you can only take what you're given, but you don't know if the league would have caught up to him. I know he used his splitter a lot more, um, and that was the big part of his success. So... Um, I just hope everything works out for both of them. But I mean 18.9 million, good for him. Next bit of news here, and, and we're just gonna talk about the award winners as they've been announced. Let's start with the Cy Young's Shane Bieber. We don't really need to give analysis on that one, do we? No, not really. No. Okay. <laughs> Trevor Bauer won the National League Cy Young. That one might be a little more interesting. Cheesecake, was that the right decision?
2: Um, I think for last season. This past season, I should say, yes, it was. He had uh, the most dominant sixty-game run out of everyone. Uh, it was. It was not him two-thirds of the way through the season, but by the end, it was him. I think what's what's interesting is that uh, Degrom actually finished third, which which I don't think you know. I think a lot of people thought um, that Degrom was the best pitcher, but maybe didn't have the best results. So finishing third, I think is a bit, uh, is a bit of a, of a, of a big story for him because he was as good as he had been the last few seasons and he dropped to third place.
0: Yeah, I saw that. And I, a lot of people complaining about that, but it's just because he's on the team he's on. I mean, you have the wins that he would have accumulated on most other teams. I mean, you look at it, I mean, he threw 101 miles an hour this year. Like that's, that's insane to me, doc, what are you thinking about this?
3: Uh, I think Trevor Bauer deserved it. I know Jacob Degrom had a great year, and same with you, Darvish. But I think Trevor Bauer had, you know, above and beyond, kind of, especially for him uh, in the 60 game sample size, probably the one of the most dominant stretches he's had. It's interesting because when we did our mid season awards with uh, Roto Clegg, we were all taking with who Roto Clegg. Yeah, okay, there you go. We were talking. DeGrom and we were talking to you Darvish and there was even no mention of Trevor Bauer at that time. And I think that shows how great of a second half that he he had that he wasn't even a thought at that time. And, you know, he, he ended up winning by a decent amount.
0: Yeah. Well said uh, the other bit in next bit of news here, Cy Young's were announced. We already cleared that managers of the year, Kevin Cash and Don Mattingly, Kevin Cash got 22 of the 30 first place votes and Don Mattingly got 20 of the 30, so they won it pretty handedly. Doc, were those the right decisions?
3: Yeah, I think the Rays, I mean, they have the lowest payroll or one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, and I know everybody's going to bash him for that decision to take Blake Snell out, but they got to Game 6 of the World Series, and they beat some tough teams on the way there. Um, And for Don Mattingly, yeah, I mean, how many people thought the Marlins were going to finish with the worst record in in baseball or one of the top three? And even though 16 teams made the playoffs— I mean, the Marlins made it over teams like the Phillies and Nationals in their own division. So kudos to him.
2: Cheesecake. I I think uh, there's a good case to be made for Rick Renteria. I don't think I think. Renteria had, had to be fired for the team to go to the next level. But their growth from last season to this season with the addition of new players, but also the team coming together and performing and making the postseason. It's yeah, Tampa Bay's been on a run for a few seasons where they're either in the postseason or almost in the postseason. So them getting the first place. Yeah. He cashed did a great job this season. But, um, uh, you know, the Yankees were, were their, their usual injured selves all season. Uh, so it wasn't. I, I don't think that he had, and the Red Sox were down. I don't think he had the competition that in the AL East that he normally would have had in a regular season. Uh, even though it still was a very tough division, I think you could say a team that made the jump, their manager might have been the more deserving. And and I think I would have gone with Renteria, and that Mattingly is is a really good choice. The Marlins, like 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 Doc said, the Marlins were supposed to be bad. So them e- even making that run on. You know, not a standout pitching staff, not a standout hitting team. Their hitting was actually still pretty poor. Um, He's a good choice for manager of the year. All right, then let's just do the last one. I saw it right now.
0: It's just Jose Abreu, I think, has been announced. They haven't announced the national. Freddie Freeman. Oh, Freddie Freeman won. Mm -hmm. So then let's just touch on both MVPs really quick here. Cheesecake will say with you. Right choices for
2: both? Oh, yeah. I, I love the Abreu pick. There's statistically some other guys you could have gone with, but he was the heart and soul of that team. And he put together a great season and Freeman was just a monster. And after coming back from COVID with the, the the talk about how, how bad he felt from COVID, which his describing COVID led Markakis to opt out at the beginning of the season, which is how bad he was feeling from it. I mean, I think it's really remarkable his story of coming back this season and having that year. Doc, anything to add?
3: Uh, I think Jose Abreu is the right choice, 317, 19 60 RBIs in 60 games. I mean, obviously, I don't know if he would have been able to keep that pace up, but if he did, he would have finished with 162 RBIs. And Freddie Freeman, I mean, he came back and just raped that last month. And it's interesting because, once again, when we did our midseason awards with Ronald Clegg, we were talking Mookie Betts. We were talking, I think we all had Tatis Jr., and we didn't think that he was going to lose it. And Freddie Freeman just kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, I, I think people are kind of forgetting the season Atlanta had because they blew a 3-1 lead. They were a game away from making it to the World Series. And a lot of it was because of his back.
0: Agreed. And Jose Breu cried after winning it. So I felt really good, happy for him in that sense. Good choices all around. Real men and cry, Jose yep. Bray. And if you like hearing real men cry, you like hear what you're hearing so far. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you—we have a fantasy football show and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about you draft us really high, say a top five podcast or so, and you listen and leave us a five-star rating and review. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Play Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, annoying GIFs, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Yesterday, my dog chewed up a pillow and I was furious. That pup went right in the crate. I turned that anger into productivity and took notes listening to a podcast. The Triple Play podcast, of course. Make sure you do the same. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, The Loyal Player, for your listens each and every week. And
2: now, Eric Cross. Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
0: We welcome in the lead fantasy baseball writer and prospect analysis from Fantrax. Father of Two is a busy man on the 5-Tool pod and over at the prospect tool shed. I love that tool shed. He's an FSWA member, contributor to the best-selling fantasy baseball black book, but most importantly, he's back in the saddle in a double dipper, and now reoccurring guest on the show. Eric Cross,
4: what's up, man? And honestly, you know that last thing you said, outside of you know obviously being a father, you know that last thing being a two-time guest on this show, uh, that's probably the biggest honor of my professional writing career. So, <laughs> thanks for having me back on. This will be fun.
0: Oh man, no, we were glad to have you back, man. First time was a blast. Uh, You know, we talked over Twitter before the first time you came on, but you don't really get a sense of how awesome it is to talk with you until you talk on here. And uh, I liked last time, too, because you put Eric in his place. So (laughs) that was, I think, the best part of it. So uh, hopefully we'll be doing a lot more of that today. And we're going to need you, man, because we've got 2020 MLB draft prospects to look at here and specifically the first round prospects. So do you guys remember what you were doing when you were 21? No, No. and 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 that's how it should be. Well, I was going to say, maybe you were doing things not appropriate for this podcast, but (laughs) these guys got drafted last year uh, as 21-year-olds, most of them around that age. And in a shortened season with COVID, we only got five rounds of this draft instead of the normal 40. So more of a reason that teams need to hit on those first-round picks. So we're going to be looking at 15 players taken in the first round that you should be keeping an eye on in your dynasty leagues to make an impact at some point, whether it could be potentially next season or a few years down the road. And we'll be looking at catchers, infield, outfield, and pitchers as the categories for these players. And I want to start off with it, but I actually forgot to mention. So, Eric Cross, I I know I'm going to say Doc and Cross, is easier. (laughs) You're Mr. Jared Kalenic, right? Obviously. So I heard something today, and you have to to set the record straight because my head was spinning, okay? Were Were you talking to Jake? (laughs) <laughs> no, I wasn't talking to Jake, but this this actually got in my head. So, how do you pronounce his last name?
4: Kelnick. Ka- so it's not Kelnick.
0: So it's not Kelnick.
4: I, was, I don't think so. I've, I've always said Kelnick, and I've never been told otherwise.
0: <laughs> I heard because the Welsh was on the CBS pod today, and he said it's pronounced Kelnick.
4: So oh, I was, if, I was blown. If Welsh away. says it. Welsh is usually right on these things. So maybe I gotta dig into this. I gotta, I gotta text Chris after this and see if I've been saying it wrong.
3: That's gonna be the players' world
4: upside down. I was like, all these lies. I was last two years to see which drafted has been a lie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll take we'll go right from Kalenic who was a former, uh, obviously first round prospect from before this year. Um, so we're gonna go now into draft prospects from this year, and let's start off with. Mr. Cross, let's go to an outfielder. Who's someone you want to talk about from the first round this year?
4: Well, my favorite outfielder and also my number two overall player from this class behind Spencer Torkelson is Zach Veen, but number nine overall to the Colorado Rockies. Just This this type of offensive profile plus course field is just Makes it salivate, it really does. And everyone's like, "Oh, it's the Rockies." He won't be up until like twenty, thirty-five. Yeah, I get it. The Rockies like the you know block their prospects a little bit here, but uh, you know, Veen is an offensive monster in the making. Already, you know, thrown some. Uh, I've seen some Cody Bellinger comps thrown on him because kind of similar swings and power potential. Um, he's got a beautiful swing from the left side. Loft gets great loft on the ball. Uh, Double-plus raw power. He could be a 35-40 homer bat in time once he bulks up a little bit. Um, far from an all-nothing power guy, too. He'll probably, you know, above-average hit tool and all of a sudden done. Maybe even plus. You know, everything you hear about is his makeup. And, you know, to be here and speak, like this. he's only 18. He's got his head on straight. He, he's got great work ethic. You know, he has a plan, and he goes out and executes it. So, really high hopes for him. Uh, a little bit of speed. to sort of an average to above-average runner. Probably add in, you know, 10, 15 steals, going with all that power and, you know, pretty solid average. So, um, really excited about Zach Veen. He's, he's going to take a few years, probably, you know, three, four, maybe even five years depending on how Colorado plays it. Um, but, but once he is up, he's, he's going to love that offensive profile and cores. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very, very excited about Zach Vein.
0: I was looking at a lot of just lists of people that just kind of looking at the first round a little bit and, uh. He was on almost every single list. So I, I, I feel like that's a really solid pick. I just saw a bunch of people like gushing over him. And uh, I think he is, just from what I was reading, it sounds like he's going to be a star, like you were saying. And in Colorado, too. I yeah. mean, man.
4: You got to love that.
0: <laughs> Our boy, a uh, big fan of yours, Eric P2W, dropping in. But uh, oh, thank you. But um, yeah, so let's go from the outfield and let's shift back into what's controlled in the infield. Let's go to catcher and let's go to the
3: doc. Give us a catcher to look at. So the first guy I'm looking at is Patrick Kelly, AKA Patty barrels. So a little bit surprising because the giants took Joey Barton number two overall in the 2018 draft. I'm guessing they hope one of them turns into the next Buster Posey and they win uh, three championships in five years. He's a shooting catcher. Uh, he's been doing that since 11 years old. It's pretty crazy. He was catching college guys in seventh grade. So I like that he's been behind the backstop for a while. I think he's going to be a great defensive catcher. His 2020 junior season, he, had, he batted six, 296 with six home runs, 20 RBIs, uh, 17 walks, and a 466 on-base percentage. My major concern for him is his inconsistency. Um, so during that season, he had three home runs, all for grand slams in an 11-day span. So three home runs and 12 RBIs came from him in that, that ridiculous two-week stretch. Um, he's gone through some hot and cold phases as well. So you just hope that that kind of levels out as he gets a little bit older. But very excited to see him play.
0: I didn't see any looks from Cross over there. So I guess you did that one right for you. Did I approve? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just hope we get a few more of those tonight. LC- i I'll be I'll be correct. You, David. I hope he corrects you, David. I hope he does, too. That's fine. I could take criticism. Let's go to LC. <laughs> the, the show is early. <laughs> LC, give us an infielder to look at.
2: Well, there's there were a lot of first-round infielders picked, so the the way I decided to choose the ones that I went over, the ones I'm excited about, uh, I thought Spencer torkerson has been talked to, to death by a lot of podcasts, including ours. And then there were three other infielders who were signed for well below slot money. Now this, this is the way a lot of teams were doing it this year, and they do this every year, where they pick someone in the first round that they can sign, sign below slot money so that they have more money to sign their later round picks. Um, so the first guy I'd like to talk about is Nick Gonzalez um, from New Mexico State. He's played shortstop there, but it looks like he's probably going to end up being a second baseman in, in the major leagues uh there's been there's some criticism of him even though he has had a batting average uh 399 career a high a college batting average and he was the Cape Cod League MVP last year but there has been some criticism of him is you know you're drafting him 7th overall which Pittsburgh did are you drafting a singer, singles hitter who doesn't have uh, who can't run and won't win a gold glove uh, is he really an excellent batman or does he have uh is he just a singles hitter uh I think that this is a guy who's going to who's going to develop a little bit more pop as he gets older. And he's an excellent hitter right now. He hits um, he hit over 400 this year. And he actually, I think, uh, led uh, led college in home runs, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, in the short sample of this season. But there is some concerns that he won't have that major league pop. But like I said, he's a second baseman who's looking to be a very good uh very good hitting second baseman. He's also a college player, so I think he'll get up to the pros a little bit quicker than uh, – I'm not sure exactly when I would project him, probably not 2021, but maybe 2022. Eric, do you have any thoughts on when Nick Gonzalez might might get up?
4: Yeah, 2022 is fair. Uh, I think he should be a pretty quick riser, a pretty polished bat. Uh, I do agree on that power, though, and in, in New Mexico State, their ballpark was – one of the most hitter-friendly parks in the nation. So that did elevate it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think 20, late 2022 is very reasonable for Gonzalez.
2: Yeah, I, I saw that there was some concerns that the level competition at New Mexico State was not very high. But then when he went to the Cape Cod League and won the MVP, that eased yeah. some concerns over him.
0: That makes sense. I, it sounds like a very exciting prospect. Um, I want to jump to the pitching side because I get excited about pitching. And I want to go to Max Mayer or Meyer. I think it's Max Meyer. Meyer and, yeah. and he was the first pitcher taken in the 2020 draft, which was surprising because it was pegged that it was going to be Asa Lacey uh, or Asa Lacey that was supposed to go ahead of him. And just looking into him a little bit, He's got, he got a simple delivery that doesn't look too twerky or any unorthodox or anything like that. So it's not something I'm worried about putting extra stress on his arm. He is short. He's listed at six feet, but he has a small frame. And he started in college as a reliever for Minnesota before becoming a starter, but he only made 15 starts, which I read was a concern for a lot of teams originally because they thought he might just be like a bullpen type of guy. But he... Another concern of mine that he also had was that he played in the Big Ten, which isn't the same competition as the SEC. So there's some uh, little red flags there. But again, I mean, this guy had eleven over 11 Ks per nine, barely over a two ERA in college. He's the highest pick out of the conference since Mark Mulder in 98, but he's an athlete played ice hockey and he lived in Minnesota has a fastball that can reach triple digits a slider that was regarded as the best slider in the draft makes hitters shake in their shoes and he looks like a great young building block for the Marlins with a lot of electricity so it seems like they kind of went the more electric route with him rather than uh, uh the uh Asa Lacey so it seems like they were kind of going with the upside rather than maybe the the safe pick and, and I, you could say that with uh the whole Mark Appel thing, and now Mark Appel kind of slipped. He was the consensus number one a few years back. And so I'm I'm hoping uh, the Marlins made the right call. It seems like they evaluate pitching really well. Their uh, farm system's always chalked well with good pitching. So, Eric, any thoughts on that?
4: No, not really. Um, I, I like Meyer. He's one of the best two pitch combinations in the draft with the fastball and the slider, um, both of which you could. I've seen 70 grades thrown on both. I'm not quite. They put 70 grades on both, but. Uh, that just shows how good that combination is. Also has a pretty solid changeup as well. Um, yeah, Miami's got a great—you know—that you've seen all the the homegrown talent they've brought up over the last couple of years, and and then they you know added Sixto Sanchez in that trade uh, for JT Realmuto. Um, they got plenty more coming up in the minor leagues, so Ed Cabrera uh, headlining those that bunch. But yeah, I, I like uh, Meyer in this system a lot.
3: Hopefully, they don't trade him because it seems like they trade all their promising players. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I sorry. mean.
0: Yeah, I, I think they – I mean, that Zach Gowan jazz Chisholm trade, I mean, that's the only one that really sticks out to me as far as young pitching talent because it seems like they're Chris holding – Chris
3: 12. Paddock for Fernando Rodney doesn't – No, that's that
0: true. That was, that's a true. That's a good one. But Paddock –
4: people are down on Paddock right now.
3: Paddock's um, in the majors. Is, is Fernando Rodney? He might be.
4: I actually don't know. <laughs> he could be on a he's team. probably still pitching somewhere, like some independently. He's not pitched until he's like 60 or something. Yeah,
2: he will. With his,
4: with his cap like this. Oh, like yeah, how can you not love Rodney? And, the, and then the you know the arrow. You know, how can you not love Fernando Rodney? Like The dude's just awesome. Anytime Fernando Rodney can be mentioned on the podcast, it's
3: already a good thing. <laughs> I want him and Jack Edwin Jackson to throw a bullpen session together because that would be like the two pitchers that have been on the most teams, I feel like. You know, Combined
4: 38 teams.
3: <laughs> yeah. With, with Matt Stairs pinch hitting uh, off of them. Julio Franco Summers in the... And so- <laughs> The name
0: drops are just incredible right now. <laughs> let's go back to the outfield and let's go back
4: to cross. Who's another outfielder we're looking at? Yeah, I'm going to jump around a little bit here and not just go down my rankings. Um, I'm going to go with Pete Crow Armstrong, the Mets Mets killed at this draft, especially the first three picks. Um, you know, Mets fans are still feeling the sting of losing Jared Kilnick I got to adjust how I say that. Um, but, uh, Peter Armstrong will ease a little bit of that sting. He's not going to be that same level of player, but very exciting player all around. Uh, plus, athlete, really good speed, uh, center fielder um, should stick there long term. Plus, runner on the bases, uh, pretty good feel for hitting too for a prep bat. I, I, I can see a two eighty plus average, really good barrel skills, can sway the ball to all fields. The power isn't quite there though. That's like where he really you know kind of lags from from conic. Collective um, plus power, I'd say at max, even if he adds Bulk and Rezabella in there a little more, PCA is probably average power. Maybe he's like 15 to 18 home runs. But the you know, one that comes with you know 25 steals, pretty solid average. Uh, I think you're going to have a pretty well rounded offensive player. Um, so I think Messiens are to like him. I think he's going to turn into a, a pretty solid player for them. He's another one. You know, he's same age as Zach Veen, so he's still you know looking three plus years away. But this is one that, you know, could be worth the wait. So um, and he's one that kind of doesn't have as much helium as much as a lot of the other first-round bats, or especially first-round outfielders. There's a lot of other great first-round outfielders this year. Um, so you can probably get him at a pretty reasonable price in your first-year player draft as well. So uh, that's another great thing about him, too. The price tag isn't too high yet.
0: And how's their outfield in the minor leagues? Because their outfield right now with, you know, Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, Dom Smith play some outfield. doesn't look like... That it's like, oh, this guy's going to be there for the next, you know, five, six, seven years. It seems like it can be had. Do they have a lot of guys in their upper farm system that looks that like it could take place over them? So he, he should have a good track to be able to get a lot of playing time when he does get called up.
4: Yeah, most of their top guys are infielders, and you know, like Ronnie Mauricio under the manager they just brought up, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, catcher. Um, most of their outfielders, you know, Alexander Ramirez, Ferdy Valdez, you know, Adrian Hernandez. These are all like low level guys that. I think Crow Armstrong sure, could probably beat the major leagues. Um, he's, he's a little more advanced in those because those are all you know J2 signings from recent uh, classes. So, yeah, Elfield is wide open in New York in this system.
0: That's awesome. So perfect for him. Let's go back into the infield. Let's go to uh, our catcher report. Doc?
3: I'm going to stay with another New York team, and I'm going to go with Austin Wells, who is drafted by the Yankees. And I looked him up, and he looks like a New York Yankee. I was like, wow. I what does a New York it? Yankee look like, Eric? Yeah, you know, just kind of like a, a a pretty boy, nice smile, somebody that's gonna collect the bag in the future. Um, the first thing I thought of is bye Gary Sanchez. Bye. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Um, in college across two leagues, he hit three thirty nine with fourteen home runs, hundred RBIs, fifteen stolen bases, twenty one doubles, and seven triples. Wow. He's, he'd go high in roto if he put up those stats in, uh, in MLB. The question is defensively. I think the, the Yankees always go for offense, though. They're, they're a team that likes to have that star power. And I think of some of the defensive catchers they've had. I mean, they've gone, you know, Austin Romine, Kyle Higashioka. But they've always tried to go for those offensive catchers. Jorge Posada, Brian McCann, Gary Sanchez. Uh, he's been compared a lot to Kyle Schwarber. And Kyle Schwarber has had streaks where he's gotten really hot. So, I mean, if if you could get that out of him and he was number 28 overall, I'd say that's good.
0: Okay. Good analysis there, Eric. Wow. Um,
3: two compliments in a row
0: from David. Wow. Are you feeling okay? Well no. I gave you a farting noise when you were done. Oh,
2: I didn't hear <laughs> oh, We're not hearing your soundboard right now. Oh, you can't hear the soundboard?
0: You're hey! not hearing your soundboard.
2: Oh, well, you missed we a nice... It's too
4: late like to go back. <laughs>
2: missed your Inspector Gadget. one job,
4: David. You had
0: one job. (laughs) Inspector Gadget
4: didn't even come on? Didn't come on. Oh, my
0: God. That doesn't even make sense now when I said it. (laughs) I'm going to hear that, and they're going to be like, what is he talking about?
1: (laughs) Yay! I was waiting for
0: something. (laughs) David (laughs) Fields at his
3: job. Yay!
0: Wow. That is awful. Okay. Well, while I fix that, let's go to Cheesecake for the infield report.
2: Yeah, I was, you, we, we, we jumped off real quick in the conversation and I was, I was waiting to mention Spectre Gadget. We got off of that, but I'm glad you brought up Kyle Schwarber. When you talked about how Max Meyer was the highest Big 10, I, I had to look him up if he beat Kyle Schwarber, who was fourth and Meyer did beat him at third. So I, I was like, Oh, you're right on your, on your facts, uh, David. I, I should not, I should not, uh, I should not argue. I want to talk about Jordan Walker. Uh, third baseman drafted uh, 21st overall by St. Louis. It's a guy who was viewed as kind of tough to sign. So he might not get drafted this year, but St. Louis backed up the truck, gave him almost full slot money at 2.9 million. This is a guy, six foot five, pretty tall for a third baseman. If he made it up to the bigs at that height, he would tie Chris Bryant for the tallest third baseman in the big leagues. So there's a lot of thoughts. That this is a guy that might end up playing in the outfield. He has a really good arm. So that arm plays well. He's been clocked at 90 miles per hour off the mound. So this is a guy who can who can probably move to the outfield. But at his height, he is a really good athlete. Um, he there's p- possibility that he sticks, and then at the end, more towards the end of his career, moves to the outfield. But this is a guy talking about projectable power. This guy has a ton of projectable power. Um, he has a long swing. Uh, a lot of people would think that that long swing might lead to a lot of strikeouts, but he looks like he, he, he gets the bat around pretty well on it and doesn't have a too high of a strikeout rate at this point. Uh, but he does need t- to develop his pitch recognition a little bit before he could be ready to play in the big leagues. St. Louis went for a big swing on this one. Uh, and and got themselves a high-end prospect here in Jordan Walker. But I still think he's a few years away. He's Like I said, he was a high school guy out of Georgia, 10th Georgia prep guy drafted in the last 12 years. Um, But uh, like I said, easy bat speed, but might not stick in the infield. Uh, But I think when he gets up, he's going to have a lot of power once he gets there.
0: As we transition back to pitching.
4: Ah, There There we go. There we go. About oh, time, uh, 20, minute, 20 minutes in, we got our first round.
0: Right. <laughs> Your host with the most is not doing it today. Yeah, so Asa Lacy, the consensus top pitcher in the draft class, aside from the fact, uh, I mean, durable left-hander, mid-90s fastball. I mean, that's, again, great enough as it is, but he's an easy delivery that he, and he seems to pitch down. 6'4", 215, extremely polished uh, fastball that already touches 97 miles an hour. He's got two great quality breaking pitches and a hard slider and a slower curve and a plus change that it looks like he can fade and sink a little bit. Seems like he's basically a good four pitch pitcher already. And he does have to refine his command. He either walked or hit uh, a batsman 14.3% of the batters he faced. Had a 2.07 ERA, 224 strikeouts, 152 innings at Texas A&M. So it's really hard to argue with the results, but as long as he can fix his control, all signs point to look to have him be a future impact starter at the MLB level. And I like him on the Royals. I feel like the Royals, they don't get as much pub for their developing pitchers as like the Rays or as like the Astros. But I feel like they're one of the better organizations as far as bringing along pitchers. So I think he's in a good organization for that. I'm looking to... Uh...
3: <laughs> Knock him down, Cross. Knock him down. Come on. He's already messed up with the soundboard nope. today. Lower, lower his confidence even more.
4: No, he's good. He's good. That was, that was good. Um, All right, so another outfielder here. Um, going with my number two outfielder from this class behind Zach Venus, is Garrett Mitchell. Uh, it's funny. I won, uh, on draft night. I was like, as long as Milwaukee drafts anybody with a pulse, it'll be their top, you know, uh, prospect in that system. that <laughs> system is very bad. I got sort of like Hedbert Perez and Garrett Mitchell. That system. Ethan small, there's some my you know, good names if you dig, but you know, it's probably the worst from system in baseball or bottom three at least. Uh, but Garrett Mitchell definitely helps. Uh, college guy at a UCLA, you know, very, very toolsy, but you know, there are some, some some things to work on, which you don't really like to see with a you know twenty two year old. It's like he's eighteen, like Zach Veen has a few years to really hone in, you know, and fix those you know, mechanical issues. And um, but the tools are there, but in, in a swing he kinda gets out his front foot at times, the hips kind of flail open, you know, and it's really limited his in game power. He's got plus raw power. Uh, he's shown it in batting practice, but you know, in game power, he hasn't really, didn't really hit for much power at all um, at UCLA. You'd you like to think that he can you know, get things in check and you know, start driving the ball in the air more consistently, and he could be a 20 home run guy. The pair, well, he's got plus or better speed. should you be looking 25, 30 steals, maybe even a little more. A you know, pretty solid hit tool as well. I think he could hit. It looks like a nice number two hitter in the lineup, guy that can you know get on base, you know run a little bit, probably a little bit of pop. Kind of a modern day number two hitter. So if he can get the mechanical issues in check and tap on that power, he's going to be an absolute monster. Like he might have the highest, or his offensive ceiling is for fantasy purposes is right up there with like Zach Veen and pretty close to Torlson too, because he can add in that speed. He's more well rounded, Um that's no like the Torlson at all. He's obviously a monster in the making, but um, Mitchell. Uh, I think I'm one of the higher people around Mitchell. I rank them fourth overall. Most people think had him more like the seven to eight range, and their you know top 100s or whatever. Um, but I'm just, I'm just banking on that power tick, tick, ticking up at least a little bit, so you can get up to you know 15 to 20 home runs, and we're gonna make for a really good all-around offensive profile. So, um, yeah, got a really good one there. So I'm I'm pretty very high on uh, Mitchell. So,
0: with his, the farm system being as bare as you said it is, how long do you think he
4: before he gets called up? I don't think it should be too long. Uh, I think he's up maybe – he's kind of like similar time for Mr. Gonzalez late 2022, early 2023, depending on how Milwaukee wants to play in you know, the service time game, which always factors in with everybody now. Um, but, yeah, he shouldn't be too long you know, within the next two years or so, I'd say. Okay, that's perfect. I'll
0: keep an eye on him now. Doc, give us our last catcher from the first round.
3: So I picked Tyler Soderstrom, Tyler Soderstrom, uh catcher out of Turlock High School. Man, you feel old when you research some of these people and you're like, well, he's 18. <laughs> and he's going to have a better future than I likely am. He's 6'2", 190. Uh, his dad was the number pick in the 93 draft. So I love that he comes from an was, athletic was family. With what, what pick? <laughs> the number six pick in the 93 oh.
0: draft. Okay, you didn't say the number the first time. You said he's the number pick. Go ahead.
3: Uh uh Tyler's junior year twenty nineteen. He had four fifty with four home runs. And his senior year was cut short by none other than COVID, but he hit three fifty-seven over five games. Uh I like that he's lefty. He's decisive with his swing. He has a lot of confidence in it. He has pretty quick wrists. Um the question is, are the A's going to develop him as a catcher, which might take some time, but he has a good arm. I read that they might play him at third base. Uh You know, for me, I I was looking and I was like, you know, it's he played five games his senior year. I'm guessing what the A's are thinking is we like his upside. We like that his dad was a former major leaguer. We'd rather have him with with the best coaches and to develop his game. And hopefully he grows into his body a little bit more, puts on some weight and rather take a chance on a prospect like that, um, you know, with the best coaches that you have out there.
0: So. Do you think, so you read that he's going to get moved to third base potentially just because yeah. his bat's that good and they want him to focus on his bat?
3: Yeah, it, it's that or whether you let him develop as a catcher. And I think for the A's is, you know, are you still going to try to go all in and win soon? And then by soon, I mean like the next three or four years, or are you viewing it more with the Tigers where it's like, okay, we're, we're rebuilding for the long run. You know, we have a lot of really good prospects. We know the division isn't ours to win now.
0: Well, I'm also wondering, because Sean Murphy's pretty young, isn't he? So, I mean, if you keep him behind the plate and then you just bring him up and put him at third base, because, I mean, there's no need... If, if his bat's better than Sean Murphy's, just put him at a position that doesn't require him to to take the risk to to take his bat out of the lineup as much to focus on behind the plate, if that makes sense. So,
3: I'm yeah, kind of cert- curious. Certainly, and Matt Chapman got hurt, too. I mean, he I think he displaced his hip and had surgery. So, I mean... That's something where you you're use it so much in your swing. I mean, it's a pretty serious injury. You never know how somebody's going to bounce back after that. You hope that they're good, but, you know, there's no guarantees. Yeah.
0: Good good point. Nice job.
2: Thank
3: you.
0: Elsie, take us to our next infielder.
2: See, I just watched Moneyball again, so I'm an expert on the A's, and I think they're going <laughs> to trade Sean Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um I, I'm going to go next to Aaron Sabato, number 27 overall pick of your Minnesota Twins, David. Uh, now, this is a guy who is a right-handed first baseman. He's not going to go play anywhere else. He doesn't really have the uh, athleticness to play in any other position, but he has big power. He's drawn parallels to Pete Alonzo, and he hit better than Pete Alonso as a freshman in his college career than pete Alonso did as a freshman in his college career the problem that i see in making that comparison is that Alonso did have a sophomore in June, a sophomore and, and more to 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 look at sabato really only had his freshman year and he had 18 home runs in his freshman year really his first 14 games he had 186 with one home run in the last 44 he had 17 home runs uh, his his career number three thirty two four fifty nine six ninety eight slash this is a guy who really started to turn it on towards the end of his freshman year of college and really didn't get a chance to do much in his second year of college like i said uh but summer soldier sh- summer shoulder surgery last year kept him out of the summer leagues for a bigger taste of what he was gonna be uh to get him in like Cape cod league or perhaps northwoods league I'm not sure where he would have played but uh but he he does look like a guy with some serious power. Um, like I said, he's a college bat, so he should have a shorter road to the big leagues. But he is only one one real full season in college, so I wouldn't project him to get there very soon. But uh, you know, Minnesota I think got themselves a nice power bat uh, in Aaron Sabato, um, first baseman, DH type. Uh, I think that you're going to have to see how he progresses, how he develops, because. In college, he had that first 14 games where he was dog crap. And then he had the last 44 where he was amazing. Uh, is this a guy who's going to end up being a streaky hitter? Hard to say at this point. But one thing you can say is the guy has light tower power. And uh, he's bringing that to Minnesota. I re- I, 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 felt, yeah, love I love hearing that. Love it. Love it. It and doesn't matter. Though,
3: it,
4: do- it doesn't matter. They won't win a playoff game. Well, not one half of their forty-man roster is exactly like how the, Sabato, who he just mentioned. Like, how many quick corner in you know, first base, corner outfield, DH power types do you need in that system? We have a <laughs> yeah, you have a, a ton. That's why I, I like Sabato. Like, don't get me. I like Sabato, but uh, I was like. Minnesota has like six of him already on the 40 man. <laughs> I'm like, why don't they go somewhere else? Like an outfield pitching catcher, whatever that you already have. You have Sano. you have uh, Matthew Walner. you have Brent Rooker. It's like you have so many of those guys already on the roster. It was it kind of seemed like it was a weird pick, but I like it too
3: much of a good thing.
0: Well, I mean, I, I would love some more pitching, and I think you were on last time and you told us that there were some good pitchers coming on the way. But I, I just know so many of the hitting prospects like Alex Kirloff and Brett Rooker and like those guys you were saying. Like, I'm like I don't see any pitching like on the horizon that's giving me like a bunch of hope. But
4: um, yeah, not on that level. There's some good pitching, but not on like that level. Not on the Kirloff, Royce Lewis level now.
0: Yeah. But I will say this when they, not to go too far off topic, but like I was a little annoyed when they didn't take Hunter Green, number one, because of money. And I was like, just take, he's a freaking electric 101 mile an hour pitcher. Looks like the next big thing. And you're just saving money and taking Royce Lewis. But that's actually looking like it's worked out pretty well so far. 101 mile an hour pitcher. Looks like. But uh, let's, sticking about pitching, let's let's stick with the pitching and talk about this next guy here. And that's Reed Detmers. And he was talked about as one of the most polished college pitchers coming out of the draft or coming into the draft. And I love his delivery. I think more than any of the ones I looked at, because it looks like he hides the ball at his hip and then it explodes on you. Like the way he he, he like hides the ball very well, which I think is going to do really well, kind of jumps on hitters. He emerges one of the most dominant starters in college baseball as a sophomore. He went 13 and four with a two, seven, eight, eight ERA. whip and 167 strikeouts and 113.1 innings. He has this like mid seventies curveball that loops in. It's almost kind of like a, I'm I'm not going to say it's Clayton Kershaw, but it has that type of loop to it. And he sets it up with this low nineties fastball and above average changeup. He has great command and overall feel for pitching, which I think hopefully will help him get up to the majors quicker. He doesn't have elite velocity though, which is again, the one thing I think a lot of these teams look at and, um, in today's day and age, it only gets to the lower 90s. So I guess that raises questions about like, what his ultimate ceiling could be. But he looks like he could be a solid mid-rotation arm. One of those guys that kind of goes under the radar a little bit. like a, like a, I know Brady Singer had a bigger prospect pedigree at, I mean, at some point, but I, I could picture that type of impact, someone that doesn't like just jump out like, oh my God, I love Brady Singer. But it's like, hey, solid pitcher in your rotation and uh, could get up there quicker sooner
4: rather than later, kind of how I viewed it. Yeah, but, that person's one of the higher floors out of all the pitchers in this draft, too. So, yeah, I think you get it pretty well. he's, he's not He's not an ace ceiling. He's not Lacey. He's not Hancock, Meyer, Micah Bell, Nick Bitsco, that type of ceiling. But, yeah, that, yeah, number three, maybe back in number two, in you know, best-case scenario. Um, but, yeah, he's a very solid arm. And probably one of the quicker ones to make it to the major leagues in this draft class, too. Eric, I
3: just want to know about one thing in life, as much as you know about prospects,
0: You want to know as much as one thing in life as he knows about process? Just
3: like, just like, let me know about one thing. I don't care what it is. I just want to be so knowledgeable about one thing where I can just rattle off names and stats and farm systems. And it's just like second nature. And, you, and everybody just looks and they're like, wow,
2: <laughs> keep talking. Think about how good our podcast would be if you were Aaron. I know. You know,
3: it, it, I wish God's it was. Yeah. I wish it was a trait that Eric's had, where they could just be savants uh, about <laughs> everything.
0: He's oh, well, crosses the savant of prospects. You can be the savant of holding his uh, holding his golf bag when he goes golfing or something. Well, that would yeah, be a step gone. up. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, you are done with catchers, so we're gonna go. We'll skip you for this round. We're gonna go one more round of of hitters for the infield, outfield, and pitching. Or I say pitchers too. So, Cross, let's go
4: to the last outfielder. There's a few that I could name here. Um, but let's go. So, everyone was talking about the, the uh, Padres. Let's go, Robert Hassel, the third, um, was the number seven overall pick out of Independence High School in Tennessee. And right off the bat, you know, he gets he, anybody with talent and, up, and significant upside in the San Diego sister system. And everybody just goes absolutely freaking bonkers over them. Um, so it's the pod, you know, The Padres' tax for a reason. You know, they've been one of the top farm systems for, God, the last five to ten years now, or at least up there. Um, Haskell is a little bit different. He doesn't have the huge raw power that you know Zach Veen has or um, like, um, Kierstead has, number two overall pick, the Baltimore. But you know, he's one of the better pure hitters in the draft, especially from the, the high school ranks, um, plus hit tool, probably above average raw power, maybe even plus. So this is a guy that I could see hitting, you know, 290, 300 or so, you know, 25, maybe he gets up to 30 home runs. You, know, you can add a little bit of speed. It's not a burner. You can add a list, a little bit of speed to that as well. Um, but he's one where, you know, from where I've seen him, It's now is not a great time to buy him because he has that initial Padres tax. Um, but if you, if you do get him – um, and he kind of falls into the the three one of the three ideal windows that I always talk about to sell a prospect, and that's one of those three is being before they make their their professional debut. Like just on Dominguez or the Yankees, this is a great time to sell him, I think, because the hype is out of control. You know, Hasall people are like oh, he's, he's got a lot of talent. He's a Padre. This might be a good time to capitalize. I'm not saying he's going to you know flail out or anything like that. I think he should have a very good career um, offensively. But um, right, yeah, right now I think you, you probably get a good price for him if you want to sell him right away. I like it. And so you're advising that they
0: sell them, the other guy, that they, they they sell him right away, kind of while he has the pedigree and like the, the big name and like before he kind of things develop further on, you're saying?
4: Yeah, it, it could hurt just, to, you know, especially if you have, um, if you already had your first year player draft in your league, it could hurt just say, just place him on the block. See if you know, anybody's just really, you know, buying that Padres tax. So you could probably, you know, get some pretty good value for him. Yeah, I would say just like, Definitely try to get him off your team or anything like that, but could hurt just to float his name out there. But, hey, you know, Robert is available. Just see what you get. See if you get any, you know, good bites. Can't Hustle hurt.
0: with Hassle. Like it. Hustle like with it. Hassle. There you go. <laughs> Cheesecake. Who's our last infielder?
2: Well, I, I have to go with Ed Howard, drafted by my Chicago Cubs with the 14th uh, – sorry, with the 16th. I you knew Cub talent. was getting in here. I was wondering, he has to, he has to talk with Ed
4: Howard. He has to. <laughs> I saved
2: him. I saved him for last. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the reasons why I, I cut out below-slot signings because Ed Howard wasn't below-slot, so I I knew he was going to make the cut there. But uh, this guy is the best pure shortstop in the draft. Uh, one thing that I really like about him is that he reached out to Tim Anderson right away, and he's been in contact with Tim Anderson about being a professional. This is a guy who already had a professional attitude. Uh, he's he's a pure shortstop, real smooth out there. He has a big frame. I think he's going to grow a little bit. Uh, he makes repeated hard contact with his swing. He has a nice swing, makes repeated hard contact, but there are some concerns. He's not going to have a lot of ex- uh, a lot of pop in the big leagues, but I could see him uh, developing that bat a little bit. That's the biggest part of his game that needs development. But his defense is top notch. I'm not going to sit here and compare some compare him to top major league shortstops right now. But as far as in this draft, there's no one who touches him. Um, he has solid speed. So if he gets the bigs, once he gets the bigs, he's a guy who's going to be able to be a little bit of a chip in contributor in the in the steals as well. But there, like I said, there is some concerns about his bat. But he's still young. He's in uh, he's in a system that develops hitters pretty well in Chicago, I think. Uh, and so I'd like to see I like to see him in three four seasons up uh, up in the big leagues, shortstop for the Chicago Cubs.
0: And where's Javi Baez go?
2: Well. Javi Baez, I don't know, second base, third base. We got, of, we got, we got plenty of different positions. Third base, out of town, <laughs> ship him out of town. He's gone. No, I mean, I mean, it'd be tough to take Javi off a of shortstop because he is so good at shortstop. Uh, but uh, you know, that's not a bad problem to have. Too many good players is not a bad problem to have. Never. So, anyway. um, so I mean, I I I'd like to see Javi sticking around. But at that time, Javi will be about – in three, four years, Javi will be in his early 30s. So not a bad time to move him over to 2B and uh, have a nice double play partner there with Ed Howard and Javi Baez. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Making note, draft
3: Ed Howard in two to three years to make Art angry.
0: There you go. Um, let's touch on the last It might, it might
4: not even matter Baez is a free after next season. So, um, yeah. Um, he might he might even be still on the team by the time Ed Howard comes up. So never know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, true. he has to have
4: a, a. I mean he he never has like a horrible year, but I feel like he
0: needs that big bounce back type of year he had a few years ago for him to get the money he's going to want, which I'm sure as a free agent he's going to want like top top dollar. A um, contract year,
4: baby. Contract
0: year. Oh yeah. Um, last <laughs> pitcher I'll touch on here, and and even the casual MLB fan knows who this guy is. That was Garrett Crochet. Uh, came up the end of last season and just kind of lit the internet on fire, lit the Twitter sphere on fire. Love the light kick. If there's an easy 100, and I know that expression is used very loosely, he he looks like he is the easiest 100 I've ever seen from a pitcher. He's six six and he looks exactly like Chris Sale. And I'm sure that's not a coincidence why the White Sox took him. Very lean, lanky guy. And he only made 13 collegiate starts. Has had some injury, minor injury concerns already, so that is on the radar. And and believe it or not, in college, he had a four six four ERA, a one forty WHIP, and one hundred and thirty two innings at Tennessee. So it's not like he blew like away the competition there, but the tools are there. And he spent um, the first two years at Tennessee out of the bullpen, so that was kind of interesting as well. He gave up twenty one home runs um, as a sophomore, or I'm, I'm sorry, twenty one home runs, and then had a four point oh eight ERA as a sophomore. Pure stuff, again, best is probably anybody you could see in this draft. And you could see that when he was on the big league stage. I mean, he was making big league hitters seem like minor leaguers, just like the way he was setting up his 100 heat with that uh, that breaking ball, which is a plus breaking ball. So I'm very interested to see kind of if they go the Chris Sale route with him and they pretty much have him as like a reliever, build up, have him as a reliever kind of starting out and then build him up as a starter or if they just keep him as an electric back-end guy. Um, but he he's exciting to watch. He he may not end up being the best pitcher in this class, but he could be the most exciting just from everyone that I looked at.
3: So, David, you compare him to Chris Sale.
0: Uh, I mean, that's every comparison as far as his frame, the like the basically the just the trajectory of, of how he is. It's that they said that that's literally there might not be a coincidence why the White Sox took him there.
3: Does that mean he'll cut up a jersey if he doesn't like it? I mean, maybe he gives him.
0: in. Maybe he gets tips from Chris Sale for that. You never know. But didn't Chris Sale do something else stupid, too, that I can't Chris, think of?
3: Chris Sale pissed a lot of people off in the White Sox organization. I can't imagine you're going out to pitch, and you cut up your jersey and say, I don't want to wear this. That's pretty bad.
4: Yeah, um, that, that was a bad look. Like, there's no way to, like, you know, play that off. Like, that was a bad luck.
0: And now he's just, like, sucking
4: up the money on your team now cross he's this what well, why why do you gotta throw that in there well, that, well, <laughs> okay, we'll leave my team, out of it. My team <laughs> had like an array of 46 this season let's 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 back off my red socks a little bit here it was, it was a rough year well i think last
0: time on the podcast we said the guy's name we won't say on this show um but uh i just i don't there's so many guys on your team that i just have so much i feel like they're there but i don't know what's going on like devers kind of finished out the year okay but was not the year like it was the year before. And Verdugo looks like, I mean, he got a fifth, a fifth
4: uh, what did he get? A fifth place yeah, fifth vote? Player, yeah, by, um, I, it was a Boston guy too, obviously. I forget the guy's name, but yeah, that was, about, is that Megan
3: O'Shaughnessy?
4: It was not, it was not Shaughnessy. Um, I forget who it was. It's not as Bob bad Ryan. as Ryan, Ryan Tapera getting a freaking 10th place MVP vote. <laughs> that was terrible. Or Sion, whatever it was. No, it was MVP. Um, a guy that had a three ninety six ERA's as a reliever, he gets a tenth place MVP vote by a St. Louis. This <laughs> writer, out of all people, like the Cubs' arch rivals, gives uh, their fifth best reliever, the Cubs' fifth best reliever, tenth place. This <laughs> is ridiculous. So some of the votes this year were pretty funny.
3: <laughs>
1: it's,
3: it's, it, always few they, I it's always a feeling. Let's, like let's see if they have a Venmo transaction history. Maybe they put them <laughs> a little money under the
0: table. Oh my god, they probably sure. do.
4: It says not make like 20k. I care. Give me a 10th place vote. Just, just be- yeah, and put
3: it on his <laughs> resume. I did get a 10th place vote for the Cy Young. This would drive up my contract.
0: Hey, that's probably, that might be how it works. You never know. I yeah. feel like From they care the about home, it more. Plus 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. That was great analysis. We only obviously could touch on about half the guys in here, but we'll touch on, maybe we'll do a part two of this and touch on uh, before next season, the other half of the 2020 first round picks here but let's go to our question of the week and our question of the week is sponsored by Manscaped brace yourselves, winter is coming, man do I miss Game of Thrones, what the writers of Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't need to trim his balls with Manscaped, poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer (laughs) To cut off my music now. That's enough Jeopardy. <laughs> All right,
1: All please go right. back. He's in a he's in a wheelchair because
0: he got his balls shaving. Yeah, that's pretty bad taste. But it, 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 why else is he in a wheelchair? But I want to, guys. I want to tell you. I want to be. Com- I want you to be confident how you trim. I want you to be like Trevor Bauer out there getting one-year contracts type of confident when you trim. And you get to the that from
4: McGregor strut? Yeah. Balls. You, you, oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And you'll do that with the new Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer. It's waterproof with advanced skin-safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts and even has a light to help you with your close shave. I want it to look clean, like Jared Kelnick's swing. Nice and pretty. They also, Weed Whacker, they have the Weed Whacker ear and nose trimmer, crop ball preserver, and reviver ball toner to keep the fellas fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the side of the home run fence and you don't know when you want to shower next, and that's no worries because they have the crop ball wipes for you. They also have the refined cologne to make you smell like a refined gentleman. On top of everything, thrown in the Shed Travel Bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped Anti-Shaping Boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. This all sounds good to you. You get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. Again, that's code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls, Might as well make them beautiful. These products are snow joke. Snow joke. I like it. That was just for you. Uh, All right. So question of the week. Who is the most out of shape baseball player you've ever seen take the diamond? So I wrote two just in case one gets taken. Hopefully I can say both. So we'll start with you, uh,
4: Cross, since you're the guest. uh, this This is easy. I saw when you send this question over. Um, as a Red Sox fan, my mind immediately goes to Pablo Sandoval. Oh um, my
3: gosh, again? <laughs> again? <laughs>
4: because, obviously, Pablo Sandoval was probably like five, 5'9", five, uh, a cool 350 probably. Now, the, the thing that sticks out the most for me, it was spring training. They're, they just got down to Florida, Fort You're Myers. you my story, Cross. I had it <laughs> perfectly planned out, but Continue. <laughs> It's a picture it's, it's in, in, in drills, and Sandoval is like this. He's th- going to throw the ball. His belt is like busted open, his freaking guts hanging out <laughs> everywhere. And then the Red Sox front office had the audacity to say, Oh, he only has 18% body fat. Look at my ass, maybe in the pinky finger. Maybe. <laughs> like, if you flip-flop the digits, it's just be 81%. It was just like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like Nobody with a brain sees that and thinks 18% body fat. Um, and then he also hit like a sack of crap, too, on our team um, and kind of said some bad things on his way out about Boston. So uh, no love loss here with Sandoval. Uh, wasn't good. He was out of shape all the time. Um, I hate that I like harp on him too much. But, yeah, that was just a massive $95 million mistake right there. So, yeah, that was, that was an easy pick for me, Pablo Sandoval.
0: It, Doc, I'm surprised he played for the Red Sox and burned the Red Sox. How did you not think he was going to go there?
3: I mean, this was the best answer. Like, I, I kind of wanted to say I have the perfect no. answer. Like, I, I have two
0: better opinion. ones. I have two better ones. So, No, you the
3: it. picture with the gut, he is so out of shape. It's like hanging out. He's chunky like salsa. Dan O'Shaughnessy, like, quote tweeted, and he's like, I think Pablo's loving uh, Boston a little too much. Or, like, he said something like, I think the Kung Fu Pandas had a little bit too much bamboo. Like, when beat reporters are going on you for being too fat, and the crazy thing is, he signed a five-year, ninety-five million-dollar contract in twenty fifteen, and then three months later, he pulled up out of shape. And the Red Sox were like, "What are you doing? Like, we hired you, we signed you to like be in shape, like you have been the past five years."
0: He was never like in shape. I don't like with the Giants, he was still like overweight. I feel like he just believed. Okay, he was
3: he wasn't eighteen percent body fat at that time.
0: <laughs> no, he's eighty-one percent body yeah. fat. Like, I,
4: I think I recall. I think this was Sandoval. That we had to have somebody like uh, what was it? What they call them, like an eating advisor just to make sure he like, oh totally get out of way. I did read that. I did yeah. read
3: that.
1: That's I, I try to block
4: the Sandoval era out of my mind, but I do remember. I'm pretty sure it was Sandoval. Maybe there's somebody like make sure he didn't go to, like a buffet and is down like seven plates of food or something like that. That's just walk around with him make sure he stayed like somewhat in like playing shape as best he could. <laughs>
0: so Doc, you have no
4: answer then? No, I don't. I don't. All right.
3: Wave so, the white flag, surrender.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right,
2: let's go to cheesecake. So um, I, I looked up the uh, the heaviest player of all time is Walter Young, who is six foot five, three twenty. I'm not sure if CC Sabathia didn't pass three twenty in some of his and just and just. You know, never got weighed officially as that okay. way. I think he might He have...
3: was an alcoholic, okay? We don't tolerate CC's about his slander on this pod.
4: I mean he, he's cut off thirty pounds of all the blood to look better.
3: He also <laughs> doesn't eat a bowl of Captain Crunch a day anymore. You know, he ate a,
4: the box, uh, box of Captain, box, Captain box, Crunch. box Yeah, there you go. Including <laughs> the extra cardboard itself. <laughs> <laughs> the the guy
2: who I want to talk about is actually David Wells who is listed at only 187 pounds on baseball reference. No way. Where they no got way. that number from. I have no <laughs> idea. The dude was pushing three bills. The dude was pushing three bills. Now, now the, the best part about David Wells, who uh, never pitched for a team that I particularly liked, but this was a guy who has stories of partying that are legendary. There's a story that Jimmy Fallon told about David Wells' partying until 6 a.m. with the cast members of Saturday Night Live, and then the next day going out and throwing his perfect game. Like, he's out pitching the next day, and all the cast members of Saturday Night Live are hung over, and Wellesley is out there and throwing a perfect, the best game of his life. So this is a guy who was big, out of shape. He always looked like he needed to lose – couple stone from his weight but uh but he was pretty athletic for his size and a really good pitcher and obviously he could party and still perform uh david wells is the guy who popped into my head first
0: wow i have to say i'm a little shocked that neither of you guys said any of the two i wrote down just in case
4: i I I know who one of your two is
0: do you okay
4: because it was my backup to pablo sandoval in case you didn't go to me first who is it i'm curious one of your two has to be Bartolo Cologne. No, I can't. I can't hate
0: on Big Sexy. I can't. <laughs> no, not hate on He's big, but he's big and sexy. You
4: know. Yeah, I, I was like... A, up for the bigger gentleman.
0: He's, he's such a, like a... I figured one of you would say it, but I was like, he won... I have his um avatar as, like, one of my baseball league's pictures, and I won a championship with it. So I, I'm staying away from any bad talk of, of him. I don't want to wreck the aura there.
4: Right. But, keep, keep the good karma. I get he, it. I get it.
0: But, um... I have one as Matt Stairs, who if you look towards the end of his career was a fat slob. Literally, one of his positions on baseball reference is pinch hitter. <laughs> so like good that though. I mean, yeah. I didn't know that was a position, but like uh he was the definition of the DH and pinch hitter before it was cool. And again, like early in his career looks all right. But if you literally look at pictures of him towards the end of his career, it is shocking how big that man was. But I think the most unathletic, big-looking player I have ever seen, and you have to be a hardcore baseball fan to know this, and you guys will all know this. I think. Do you guys remember the relief pitcher? And I know him because his time I'm on the Twins. Do you remember Denise Reyes?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yes, he was huge. That's if you look bad. at his
0: picture, his cheeks are literally <laughs> out to here, and like that man had to be at least three hundred pounds. But he was short too. I think he was. He was definitely under six foot. Yeah. And, like, he was just this big, like, chunky salsa, like, just this this chunky being. And he somehow threw over 90 miles an hour and had a career as a relief pitcher. But Chucky literally, <laughs> I, I just, like, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if he literally took the cart to the mound. Like, I don't have video to look at, but I'm sure he did. But that was my guy. I'm, I'm, I also wanted to bring Dennis Reyes in here just to blast from the past here. But Good. we're gonna go from question of the week now to
3: our game of the week. I'm Cross glad you know that. that. I'm, I'm glad you got the soundboard right for this one, David.
0: Cross, do you know which uh what game system that was?
4: Uh, I'm, it sounds familiar, but I'm not gonna be able to say it. what was it. It was the GameCube. Uh, I never had a GameCube. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> I was with you this whole time, and I was like, Oh, he's gonna appreciate that drop <laughs> just for nothing. Okay, all good. So, our game, not surprisingly, talking with Cross in the DMs, he said he wanted to, to try to defend his crown in the age game. Oh, so,
3: yeah, I, I got to play for once. I'm so,
0: I, I we don't like to do the same exact game twice on here. So, what I did is it's still the age game but I remastered it. So instead of doing age they debuted and age they are now for current players, I tweaked it to bring in some throwback names in here and you're going to say the age they debuted and the age they retired.
2: Oh, that's good. All
0: right. So this and this is this is not when they say like I'm like officially retired because that could be like 3 or 4 years after. I'm looking for the day they played their last documented MLB game. Okay. okay? So there was that confusion. There's like some players that played their last game in 2014 and didn't retire until like 2017. Okay, so for first game, last game, basically. Yes, yes. That's a better way to put it. And so I got all these players from the MVP 2005 rosters. So if you want to take yourself back to think of players in that time, uh, we'll go to number one here. And what we're going to do is we'll go uh cross doc lc and then doc lc cross and we'll just go in that kind of order every time someone starts first
3: how many, how many do we have 10
0: we've got 10 and i've got an 11th one as a bonus if we need it is it brad hand <laughs> no no brad hands i have to leave. <laughs> can't see that name again so let's start with number one cross we're starting with you sean figgins Ooh,
4: um good little speedy player um I'm kind of way off. Debuted, I'll say 03. Last game. Well, you're saying the age, not the year. Oh, oh, my bad. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Um, you're good. Um, okay. So I'll say 22 and
0: 34. Make sure I write these down here 22 and 34. Yep.
3: So I think he had a 12-year career because I looked Sean Figgins up like six months ago. But I think it's, I'm guessing 23-35. 23
0: and 35. And Uh, Cheesecake. 21 and 33. I'm just going to guess. I don't know. Well, that one was easy. You all got zero for that one. I'm going to give you a point if you get either of them right.
3: Oh, we don't get his closest.
0: Closest. Closest. You want to do his closest? That's how we've always done it. Okay. Well, the closest, and you guys did it how? Where if you got within one of each one, you get the point, or just the whole point? Closer. How did you do? It?
3: One one point for each. Okay. Like you so got closest to the debut. So, then- okay. So
0: he was 24 when he debuted, and he was 36 when he retired. So that's two for me, right? You had 23 and 35, so you were within one of each, and then yeah, Eric or Cross, you were 22 and 34, so you were two away. And then, yeah, Art, you were way off on both. You were three away. So, Eric, you got the point got for the first points. one, or two, two points. points,
3: baby. Yeah, let's end the game now. Artes going in the stands. Stop the count. Stop the count.
0: I didn't. There's more math in this game than I realized.
3: <laughs> this, this podcast has COVID. Shut it down. I won.
0: Okay, let's move to the second one here, and we're gonna start now with uh, Doc Brandon Webb.
3: Um. Brandon Webb. Follow him on Instagram. I'm going to say he debuted at 23, and I'm going to say he retired at
2: 33. Okay, Elsie? I think Webb had a pretty short career. So I'm going to say... 24 and 31
0: 24 and 31 all right and then cross 24
4: 33
0: 24 and 33 so the answer is 23 and 29 oh, ti- tired at 29 so eric you got the 23 correct and then the Wait. 29 was cheesecake you guessed 31 so you were the closest okay so 3 for eric one for a cheesecake and cross still a big old goose egg on the board through two.
4: I'm building up dramatic effect here.
0: <laughs> going on right there
4: you here. go.
0: This next one is everybody's favorite. Cheesecake, we're starting with you, and that is Sydney Ponson.
2: Oh God. Oh, Sydney Ponson. <clears throat> okay. Twenty five when he came up. I think Ponson would probably have been about thirty four when he retired.
4: Played his last game. Thirty four.
2: 25 and 34.
0: Cross, where are we going? we
4: go 24 and
0: 36. And Doc?
3: I'm going 25 and 35.
0: All right. It's locked in. The answer, Sidney Ponson debuted at 21. Ooh. And he retired at 32. So the closest... Was cross at 24, even though it was three years off. You guys were both four, and then tried at 32. That was cheesecake because he said 34. So we have through three questions we have doc with three, cheesecake with two, cross with one. Okay, end the game now. Next one, number four. Cross, I did this one for you so you can get back in it.
4: Trot Nixon. Ooh. Trot. Love Trot. Very underrated ball player. Um, uh,
3: I'm just gonna copy Cross his answers, probably.
4: <laughs> I'm not gonna stand that to be right. Um let's see, Trot, let's say he debuted at 24, retired at 34.
3: All right, and Doc? I'm going, he debuted at 23 and he retired at 33.
0: All right. And you just price is right at him, I see.
3: I and actually think he came up a little bit younger, though. Uh, 24 seems like a little bit older for him. but.
0: All right. And Cheesecake?
2: <clears throat> Trot had a really short, short prime, three or four seasons. Injuries took him down, but he hung around for a while. I think he probably played around nine or 10 seasons. I'm going to go 24 and 33. So I'm going to take one from Cross and one from Doc.
0: All right. The answer, 22 when he debuted, 34 when he retired, or his last game. So closest was Doc with 23 because he was one over. And then he retired at 34, so Cross, you were the only one to get that one right. So we have four for Eric and then two for the other two.
4: End the game. End the, and other the other game. game. You, you say, for the other two. That's his hair name. for <laughs> just the other two.
2: No, and we got we got Doc Trump over here wanting to end the, end the Trump. Uh, Doc, that's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> I have to include this next guy
0: on here because he's going to be interviewed this week for the show. And that is Brunson Arroyo. So, oh, gosh. Doc, we're starting with you for Mr. Brunson Arroyo and you better get this right cuz I'm going to tell him that you didn't get it right otherwise. Well,
3: I haven't I haven't researched him yet, so you got me on a good day for this. I'm going to say he made his debut at 20 at 24 and he retired at 36. Okay? Art's shaking his head like he isn't tied for last place.
2: (laughs) Go ahead, Cheesecake. I just don't think that he played 12 or 13 seasons in the bigs. I
3: don't think uh, – now, was he effective 12 or 13 seasons? Probably not. But I think he he hung around as like a reliever kind of. He was Edwin Jackson before it was cool to be Edwin
4: Jackson. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. exactly. Hanging around with five and a half ERAs every year.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know you signed after – he signed a big contract with Cincinnati. I think yep. right after the World Series team with Boston, he signed a big contract with Cincinnati. Yep. Then I don't remember pitching anywhere after Cincinnati, so maybe that's on me. So I'm going to say 25 and 35.
0: 25 and 35. And Cross? I think
4: he came up later. I'll say 26 and 36. 26 and
0: 36. Locked in. So the answer is... Brunson Arroyo debuted at 23, and he retired at 40. What? He played 17 seasons in the bigs. (laughs) So,
3: Ardenir, you are confident.
0: (laughs) Wow. So, he debuted in 2000, and he retired in 2017, or he played his last game in 2017.
2: Oh, man. I was wrong.
0: (laughs) So, we had, Doc, you went first, right? So, you had 24 and 36. I believe you were the closest because it was 23, so you get a point for that. And then the closest was for 40 and that was tied between Doc and Cross both had 36. So we have 6 for Eric, Cross with 3, Art with 2.
3: But yeah. Art knows Bronson Arroyo's career.
0: now he knows for when he comes on. All right, speak <laughs> this no words, speak words. <laughs>
2: All
0: right, next next <laughs> one goes
2: I'm trying to keep it PG here.
0: This next <laughs> one, I, I really liked this player because I loved when the Twins got him for a little bit. Big fan of his, Joe Creedy.
2: Oh my
3: gosh, that is a name. Oh, I, I, I love diving. I heard of that name in a hot minute, jeez. I Man. love
0: diving in these guys. So, oh, wow. so cheesecake. I'm glad I'm going
3: last for this one.
0: 23-34. Yeah, twenty-three and thirty-four. Okay, and cross.
4: If there's one, I'm going to be way off on. It's going to be Joe Creedy. Um, <laughs> say 22 and 35.
0: 22 and 35, and
3: Doc. I'm going. I'm going. Hmm. 23 and 34.
2: That's the same that I said.
3: Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Locked oh. in. Too late. All right. The answer. Joe Creedy debuted at 22, and he retired at 31. Only played nine years. I think it was wow. that back that got to him. So Cross nailed the enter on the head. So you get it for the when he entered the league. And then both Art and Eric got 34. He retired at 31, so you guys were the closest. So you both get a point for that. And through, we have four left. We have Eric with seven, we have Cross with four, and we have Art with three. So Eric's distancing himself just a little bit.
3: I'm social Let's, distancing from you guys.
0: <laughs> Let's go to the next one. And this guy was a, uh innings eater, and that is Kevin Millwood.
3: Oh, I thought you were say LeVon Hernandez.
0: Oh, that would have been a good one. <laughs> that would have been a good one. So Cross, we're starting with you for Mr. Kevin Millwood. Kevin Millwood.
4: I'm going to go 23. Thirty
3: seven.
0: Thirty seven. All
3: right. And Doc. Um I cross, I'm not trying to price this right on you. This the first ones popped in my head were twenty-three and thirty-eight. I think he pitched close to forty.
0: All right. And cheesecake.
2: I'm gonna go twenty two. Thirty seven. Twenty
0: two and thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Wow! Way to come up from last place and hit both on the button. Cheesecake got it exactly right. Debuted at 22 and played his last game at 37. Wow! I had the
2: 15 years just the wrong 15 years. He was really good when he came up. He was more than an innings eater with Atlanta, if I remember correctly. Like he was, he was the next in line on that staff with Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz, uh, and then he signed a big contract. With Pittsburgh, if I want to, but never mind. I just remember, remember him
0: remember. with the Rangers and him just being kind of like a fours, bleh, yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But he was. But I remember when he came up, he was like, "Oh man, the Braves did it again."
0: <laughs> so we got three left. Scores: Doc Seven, Cheesecake Five, Cross Four. Losing weight to to uh, defend his crown here. Last don't three. Do I get
4: a point for that last one? No, because uh
0: oh, you did get you did guess thirty seven. Good call, because you uh I arc got it on the head, and but you got the ending on the head too. So it's seven five five.
4: Okay, there we go. Sorry.
0: So the next one, I'm keep you honest here. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you guys are paying attention because all the numbers are getting to me here, and we're gonna go with a guy that never really developed with the bat like people hoped, and was a waste for the Minnesota Twins, and that Big was window. Adam Everett. Wow. So starting with you, Doc, for Adam Everett.
3: Debuted at 24, retired at 32. I don't even know Adam Everett like that. That was just a pure guess.
0: All right. Was and he... Go ahead. Cheesecake?
2: Was he a shortstop?
0: He was with the twins, I remember. And, and I'd be honest, I didn't mean to put this many twins on there. It was actually a coincidence.
2: Right? Sure. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember <laughs> Adam Everett at all. And I'm like, I think... He was the light hitting shortstop. He
0: had a really goofy like player picture too, like a big old smile on his face.
4: The, the next two guys are going to be Joe Mauer and Justin Morneau.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, th- those are those are two uh, obvious names. They're going to be like Lou Ford and uh Stan <laughs> Stewart.
2: The only reason you remember these guys is I used to talk about them all the time. Yeah.
3: Um, 20
2: I'm going to go a little I'm going to go 23. And uh, 31.
0: All right. And Cross? I'll go 22 and 35. All right. The answer Adam Everett debuted at 24 and he retired at 34. So, Cross, you get the point for the ending. And then Doc hit it on the head for when he entered the league.
3: He'll a 10 year career.
0: Scores eight six five, and this was the only twin I meant to put on the list. And You're so that is, all the crap! It's like, <laughs> you can't even like, say that without cracking a like, smile.
4: You're so cold. So,
0: like when I was looking at rosters, Joe. I was going through the list. Joe Creedy was on the White Sox. Adam Effort was on, I think, the Tigers. So I was like, but then I'm like reading it back, and I'm like, oh yeah. But this <laughs> this one this one was my guy, and that's Jason Kubel. Love that man, the Grand Slam machine.
4: It's
0: cool. it's so we're starting with Cheesecake for this one.
2: 23-35. All right, Cross.
3: 22-36. And Doc. Well, I had 36 because I think that's when he retired from the Cardinals. Um I did. Do, I do think he came up young too. I remember him being like one of the Twins' top prospects. But I don't want to prices right, or I don't want to lock in the same answers. Cross. So I'll do twenty three thirty six.
0: So you took Art's answer in the beginning. All right. So the answer twenty two. He debuted and retired at thirty two.
2: Oh, I got a point.
0: So, Cross and Art both get a point for that one, which they both need to stay in the game.
4: So, what, 876?
0: Eight, 876. How oh, oh, many more we got left?
4: We have one.
0: I have a bonus, but we have one actual one left that I, I'd save the bonus that there was a tiebreaker. So, here we go. Last one. And this one is it used to be a cubby at one point. He's also was a blue jay. And even most of them? <laughs> huh?
4: It's animus on a twin at some point. Oh, I wish
3: <laughs> you're gonna pull out like Frank Catalinato or something. No,
0: I wanted to pick at least like not the most random guy. This is it's Ted Lilly. Oh yeah, yeah. Lilly, and so I believe we started with it's cross for this man. one.
2: Yeah,
4: <clears throat> tough to be first on the last one. Ted Lilly, I must say, twenty-three and thirty-seven. All right, Doc.
3: Can I just copy Eric's
4: answer?
3: <laughs> be the ultimate bad okay, winner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of want to because that's what you deserve for taking my Pablo Sandoval
4: answer. <laughs> you, you, be first that. You, you guys know being a Boston fan, I'll like, oh, Pablo there. It's, there's no other logical answer as a Red Sox fan. Would
3: you guys lose respect for me if I, t- if I did cross it? Yes, I will lose Valley? respect for you. Pick a different answer. Okay, what did
0: he say? said 23. Oh,
3: that, no, I'm, I'm oh, not even going to say yeah, it. it. Shut up,
4: Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you can't remember, that's on him.
3: You know, I've been going 20. I've written down my ages, and I've been going 23. I'm going to go 23, 36, which is what I said for Kubel. So I know you went 37 to end. 23 and 36. Yeah, so now I'm only allowing you to time me at best.
2: All right, and Cheesecake. Uh, I think that he was close to 40, so I'm going to say 38 when he retired, just just to get one above. I think he was 39 or 40 when he retired, and I'm going to say 20, 24 and 38.
0: The answer, he debuted at 23, so both Doc and Cross get the point.
4: Say 37. We, we're going to we overtime.
0: Retired. Retired at 37. Going into overtime. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that oh, was man. that was clutch. Wow. wow that, was clutch. I just,
2: that is a walk off
0: to check. That's, that's, that's a three pointer at the buzzer to go into overtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was impressive.
3: That was good. All right. I should have just copied your answer.
4: <laughs> but would, would you have felt good on the inside if you did? Like, yes, I would, yes
3: I, I'm telling you, I could have slept perfectly okay. <laughs> you
4: could, you could put your head on your pillow and went to sleep with a clear conscience tonight if you did that.
3: <laughs> I'm telling you, I would have slept like a baby knowing I had won the game.
0: <laughs> I think we said we were going to put it on our resume if we took you down. So it comes down to this. A good thing I made a bonus one. And we'll just keep it between Cross and Doc for this one. And the, the tiebreaker is Scott Kazmier. And we'll start. I, I, think, I think it's me. I we'll we'll think with
3: you, Doc. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think Cross just started. Yeah. So um, Casimir, he actually had a surprisingly long career. I think he had a, people thought he was going to be done early. He had a little bit of resurgence, I think, with the A's. But I think he started young. So I'm going to go 22. And I think he retired at 35.
0: All right. Cross, do you think you can get the win?
4: 22-36.
0: 22-36. All right. The answer. Well, you both doesn't matter. You, well, at the beginning, you both said 22. He debuted at 20. Wow. Very, very young.
4: I almost said 21, too.
0: The answer for when he played his last MLB game. 32 years old. Doc was closest at 35. Cross at 36. Came down to the wire. I was rooting for cross. Uh <laughs> I thought he was like 37.
4: I, got, I thought I was going conservative with 36, so so
0: fortunately doc wins.
1: We don't like that around
0: here. <laughs> but doc take your 10-15 second FaceTime and then we'll let uh Eric, get out of here.
3: I'm going to Conor McGreg- McGregor strut into my FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say it's been a pleasure seeing David mess up a couple times and not be good at math, but mm-hmm. I'd like to appreciate Eric coming on. I've uh, been a big fan of his work. I love uh, listening to the Prospect Tool Shed and uh, such a great fantasy baseball community. And um, I, I want to give the rest of my time to Eric.
0: All right. Uh, uh, Eric, go ahead. Uh I- obviously always appreciate having you on here and uh we really appreciate you coming on tonight so i just wanted to know any projects you're working on any upcoming fan tracks news you want to plug with the audience that type of stuff
4: yeah no i'd take a little bit of a break because i was having some computer issues and then doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff at fan tracks but <clears throat> i got a lot of uh, rankings updates next week uh, i just put out an article today um and west breakout prospects um be finishing up a article on will smith uh, the dodger catcher um probably tomorrow if not i'll it bump that to monday next week um and we got a uh big podcast we just brought on another big podcast to fan tracks it hasn't been um put out there yet um but people are gonna like this it's a very reputable uh baseball podcast that we're bringing on to join triple play to join my podcast so uh hopefully we'll probably announce that it's still a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on to get the transfer happening but um people are gonna really like this so stay tuned for that
0: i do know what it is i won't say it but i'm it's a great ad. i I told you uh no uh the dude who you're bringing on told me
4: okay yeah don't say his (laughs) name
0: no no i won't say it but um (laughs) no that's awesome and i do want to say like um obviously kind of stuff behind the scenes just for a second like eric's a giant reason why our pods becoming a fan tracks pod and always you know i know I, we thank you over twitter and, and social media and all that but really appreciate the belief you have in us and what we were doing here and um so really appreciate everything that you're kind of been doing with us and for us and and th- that aside it's just always awesome having you
4: on here regardless oh thanks i me. Mean, i always love coming on here it's always a blast it's games the questions uh, it's always good banter um, with you guys. And, yeah, it, it was easy to recognize, you know, you guys are on the rise with this podcast. It's, you know, it's both inf- informative and fun. That's a great combo to have and, um, for podcasts in this industry. So um, it, was, it was an easy decision bringing you guys on. So I'm really, really glad we did so. We're, we're uh, really enjoying this podcast. And, and I would like
3: to say next time you come on, I'll be hosting the game so I can be a career 1-0 and o against you. <laughs> <laughs> you're retiring. You're hanging up the cape. I am retiring against Eric Cross. <laughs> I I finally, you know how I talked about it earlier. I was like, wow, I just want to be good at one thing. Well, that my one thing is guessing ages of MLB players. So.
0: There you go. We have to the whole 8,
4: 2005. Like, Yeah, <laughs> we're but seven out of the ten were Minnesota Twins, but it's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you should thank me for all the times I talked about him, Eric. But. Big show's coming up soon, so make sure you keep listening. We have interview with Brunson Arroyo drop in next week. We have guest appearances from Paul Spore, Nick Pollock in the next few weeks coming up too. So make sure you don't miss those shows. But until then, we will catch you guys next week. Stay safe. We will see you all then.
1: That would be smart of me.